See, I'm actually a little bit early, aren't I? I gotta wait for the clock to trick tick down. So uh, let's talk about something until we clicks down. Uh, Six seconds time. What's that? Five, four seconds, three, two. Four, three, two, one. Here we go. Good morning. Will you stand with us and let's sing together? He is the lion and he is the lamb. Sing it with me. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. Who can stop the Lord? Sing it over the battle. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Come on. Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning. 
And if this is your first time here, we're especially glad that you have come to worship with us. And a great way that we can get to know each other is through the guest registration card that's located in front of you in the pew rack. If you could take out that little white card and fill it out for us today, um, after our service, we'd invite you to just walk over to the Welcome Center. It's to the left. And drop that off there either with a pastor or there's a black box that you can just put it in there. And what we have for you is we have a small gift for you coming and being a part of our church and being a part of our worship this morning. So we're glad that you're here. And as we continue to worship, we just want to take a moment to pause and prepare our hearts to uh, worship and engage with the Lord. So would you just take a moment to bow our heads and let's just have a moment of silence for a second to reflect and pray. And then I'll close this in prayer. We can continue worshiping together. Father God, Lord, we come before you, and we thank you for this opportunity. And God, as we worship you this morning, Lord, I pray that you would be blessed by our singing, blessed by our praise, Lord. God, you are worthy of so much. We thank you that you took our place, Jesus. And it's because of you we gather. It's because of you we're here. And we thank you for this opportunity. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Stand with us and let's sing together.
Lord, we've seen you do it before. Oh, Lord, do it again.
promise still stands. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never Lord, we come before you this morning just lifting our hearts and our hands and our voices to praise you, Lord, this morning, knowing that you alone are worthy of our praise. We give this service to you, Lord. I pray in some small way that we have been able to put a smile on your face as we worship you and lift, you, lift your name and praise. Lord, I pray you'll be with Dr. Cox now as he comes and brings the message. May you open our hearts, our ears to accept the things that you want to say to us today, Lord. May your Holy Spirit guide him. May your Holy Spirit open us to hear from you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. A joy to worship with you. We got off last Sunday to our first Sunday of our new church year. Uh, begins coinciding with the school year. Great Sunday connection groups, great Wednesday night, last Wednesday night. Hope you'll uh, connect and be a part of that. Last Sunday, I also began a new sermon series, a 10-week sermon series through the life of Abraham. And we're going to follow in Genesis 12 through 25 the strange and wonderful life of this man. And the theme of this series is that God acts how will I respond? So we're following the activity of God in the life of Abraham. Each week we'll see some activity of God in relationship to Abraham. And what I want you to see is to learn to discern the activity of God in your life. God is still active. He still does stuff. How's he, what's he doing in your life? Would you learn to recognize that? And last week we saw in the first week that God calls uh, God calls people. He called Abraham to leave the city of Ur and to journey to a land that he knew nothing about. And God said, if you go there, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'll protect you, bless those who bless you, and all the world will be blessed through you. And so God may be calling you. And I shared last week that God may call you across the street to go talk to somebody, or he may call you around the world in cross-cultural missions. Would you be open to how God is calling you? He has a mission and purpose for you. And then each week we'll look not only at the activity of God, but at our response. So Abraham had to decide how he was going to respond to the call of God, just like you do. And Abraham obeyed. And he left his homeland, and he left his family, and he went to the land of Canaan as God had directed him, will you respond to God's call? Well, today we continue the story and we continue to see God's activity in his life. And we began today in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10. And the Bible says, now there was a famine in the land. So almost immediately there's a problem. Probably it didn't rain. There's not enough food. There's famine in the promised land. Did you know that there can be famine even in the promised land? That is to say that you can be in the center of God's will and still have problems. Abraham is right where he's supposed to be. He's done what God wanted him to do and what happens? There's a famine in the land. And sometimes when things happen to you 
you may be tempted to think, what did I do wrong? What did I do to deserve this? Uh, why am I being punished? And you may be going through some financial or some physical health problems right now, some relationship problems, and, and, and uh, you, you think, Where did, what, what have I done to deserve this? That's the theology of Job's friends. Remember the story of Job? Job had trouble. His friends came and said, you've sinned. If you'd confess your sin, to be gone. Sometimes that's true, but not always. And here was Abraham, and he was right where he was supposed to be. So you may be having trouble today. What, what's the reason for this trouble going on in your life and in my life? Well, the reason for this trouble in Abraham's life, and it may be the reason in your life, is that God allows trials in our lives to test and strengthen our faith. God, I believe, was allowing this trial to test Abraham and to strengthen his faith, and that may be what's happening in your life as well. You, it's, you can be right in the center of God's will, doing right where you're supposed to be, and you're still going to have some trouble. And God allows that. Now, the story of Job tells us that Satan is the source of trouble, but God is sovereign, and so he has to permit that. And God may have permitted the troubles that you're going through now for the purpose of strengthening your faith. Let me read to you a New Testament verse that goes along with this, I think. It is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, God allows trials in your life to test your faith. That the testing of your faith produces perseverance. God allows trials in your life to test and strengthen your faith. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, would you see that God is active even in the trouble that you might be going through right now, physically or emotionally or relationally or financially and that God has a purpose in that I read a story one time about a, a lady who was watching a butterfly struggle to come out of a cocoon and the butterfly was struggling mightily and she thought she would help it took a razor knife and slit the cocoon open and sure enough the butterfly easily came out of the cocoon she expected it to fly away but she learned that the struggle was what pumped the blood through the wings of that caterpillar as it expanded into a butterfly. And without that pushing and struggling and straining, that the butterfly never flew because it was unable to spread its wings fully. The very struggle that she tried to save it from was what was designed to make it stronger. And you and I think that a trouble-free life would be our best, don't we? I do. But God, who is wiser than we, says that a tested life is better than an untested. And that it is through the troubles that you're experiencing that you develop perseverance that leads to maturity that blesses and strengthens your life. Would you trust that? So there's a famine in the land. That's God's activity. He's allowed that. Now how's Abraham going to respond? Because every time God acts, we've got to choose how we're going to respond. And this is a test of Abraham's faith. And how does he do? He doesn't do so well. Doesn't do well with the test. Read the, back in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. I don't think Abram was doing right in this. I'm not sure, uh, but it doesn't look like God told him to leave the land. Now, other times in the people of Israel, God did tell them or allow them to go to Egypt to escape famine in the time of Jacob. When Jesus was born, Joseph and Mary escaped to Egypt for a while, so maybe this was okay. I don't know whether it was wrong or not. I sort of don't think he was supposed to leave, but I don't know for sure. But I know the next thing that he did certainly was wrong. He certainly didn't do well on this test because it says in verse 11, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Verse 12, when the Egyptians see you, they'll say this is his wife and they'll kill me but will let you live. Now, 
couple things we need to talk about here. First of all, Sarah is 65 years old. And Abram is worried that she's so beautiful that somebody's going to take his uh, bride away from him. Now, I want to be very careful here in regard to you <laughs> who are 65. Uh, but we don't normally think of that being a time of height of beauty, do we? I mean, just not, normally we don't. But what I would have you to see here is the lives of... <laughs> hang on now, hang on. I, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be very careful. I try. But he, hang on here. Abram's father, the Bible tells us in chapter 11, lived to 205. Their lifespans are about doubled. And so I think that uh, 65 is the new 35. You know, it, it's, uh, it's just that, uh, that uh, uh, her, her lifespan would correspond to doubling that. You with me? So... At any rate, Abram's worried that these Egyptians are going to steal his wife. Now, the second thing that is strange to us, look at this next verse. Come back with me now. Come back. Here we go. <laughs> so he says in verse 13, Say you are my sister so that I'll be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Now, again, in our culture, that doesn't seem right. We might tend to think that if you were married, it would be less likely they'd try to take her away but oh she's married well we won't, won't bother her but in their culture apparently if if you were a brother they would treat you well to gain favor but if you were the husband they might kill you and steal your wife so again that seems a little backward to us but that is the culture here and so Abram is telling Sarah we're gonna lie and we're gonna say that you're my sister and they will just really treat me well and I won't be in danger of losing my life you see what's happening here trouble has come and you've got to decide how you're going to respond to that trouble. How did Abram respond? He didn't do well. He responded with fear rather than faith. Here's the deal. We can respond to trials with compromise or with faithfulness. When famine comes in your promised land, how are you going to respond? The temptation will be to compromise your faith, to get by. And that's what Abraham did. You know, the Bible presents its heroes with all of our, all their flaws. It, it, these are sinners. The only hero in the Bible is God. Uh, Abraham is a sinner, and here he sins, and he jeopardizes the, his life for his own safety, and he's jeopardizing the plan of God who's trying to make a great nation out of him and Sarah, and he is jeopardizing that for his own safety. You may be going through a, a, a trial right now. How are you responding? Are you responding with faithfulness? You say, God, whatever comes my way, I don't understand this that I'm going to, but I'm going to remain faithful. Or have you got discouraged and, and slackened in your service to God and in your faithfulness to God? Have you compromised to avoid the pain? Something happened that Abram didn't expect. Sure enough, in verse 14, when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw Sarah was a very beautiful woman. But here's what he didn't expect. When Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. So Abram, in this ruse, doubtless thought he could fend off the suitors in Egypt, but he didn't count on Pharaoh being the suitor because his power you can't say no to. And so Pharaoh hears about Sarah and takes her into his harem and it says verse 16 he treated Abram well for her sake so it appears to be working here so far and Abram acquired sheep and cattle male and female donkeys male and female servants and camels but the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife Sarah. You might think, well, Abram's gonna, uh, that God's going to punish Abram because of the sin. But instead, here it's Pharaoh that is having these severe diseases inflicted. And so Pharaoh summoned Abram and said, what have you done to me? So somehow... Pharaoh has made the connection. Maybe God has appeared to him in a dream. We don't know. But somehow... Pharaoh has made the connection because of these diseases, these plagues that you're going through in your household are because of this woman that you have taken into your harem. 
So Pharaoh, verse 18, summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. And then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Now, what uh, Abram is sort of lectured by Pharaoh. He's sort of humiliated by this person who's not even a believer that he says, why did you lie to me about her and bring this upon me? And yet at the end, God protects him even when he is compromising and Abram comes out of this better than before. What is this all about? Here's the deal. God is faithful even when we are faithless. You see, God has said to Abram, I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. I'm going to protect you. God has said to Abram, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And even though Abram is messing up, God is going to remain faithful. He's faithful even when we're faithless. Isn't that great? Aren't you glad that there is a God who sticks with you when you mess up? Aren't you glad that there is a God who is patient and long-suffering with you and keeps his covenant even when you don't? That's the kind of God we serve. The amazing God in this story is one who said, Abram, I ought to kick you to the curb, but you know what? I have covenanted to you. I said I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to do exactly what I said. Let me show you a New Testament counterpart of this principle. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 and following. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. If you'll die to self today and put Jesus in your life, you'll live forever. If you die with him, you'll live with him. Next contrast, verse 12, if we endure, we'll also reign with him. Then it says if we disown him, he'll disown us. You disown Jesus, there's no other hope for you. He'll disown you. But here it is, verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. God keeps his covenant promises and it's good to know if you've messed up, if you've compromised, if you've failed the test that brought, God has brought into to your life, why don't you repent and come back to him today? Because the good news is he's faithful even when we are faithless. What a great God we have. Now, there's a sequel to our story. Most of the life of Abraham we're going to take in chronological order and go straight through these chapters, but we really need to fast forward and pair the sequel to this story with this one. And so in chapter 20, Abram gets into about the same situation again. It's over 20 years later. Surely Abram has learned something this time. Surely Abram is going to pass the test and trust God this time, right? No, he fails again. Well, let me read it to you in chapter 20, uh, Genesis chapter 20. Now, Abraham, he's, called, he's Abraham now, which I call him about that anyway, but this is Fast forward to the place where his name is changed. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And for a while he stayed in Gerar. And there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, she is my sister. Wow. He does the same thing again. And then it says, then Abimelech king of Gerar sent for Sarah and took her but God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him you're as good as dead now that's not a good dream when God comes to you and says you're as good as dead right you're as good as dead because of the woman you've taken she is a married woman now Abimelech had not gone near her so he said Lord will you destroy an innocent nation did he not say to me, she's my sister, and didn't she also say, he's my brother? I've done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. And God just said to him in the dream, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience, and so I've kept you from sinning against me. This is why I did not let you touch her. Uh, he's saying to her, yeah, I know you're innocent. That's why you're still alive. It's because you're innocent. 
Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham in and said, Why have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you've brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You've done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What was your reason for doing this? And Abraham replied, I said to myself, There's surely no fear of God in this place, and they'll kill me because of my wife. And here's what trouble will get you to do. Trouble will lead you to compromise because you think there's no other way. Everybody's doing this. There's no hope. Like Elijah who said, Lord, I'm the only one left. And God said, ah, I got 6,000 others. We underestimate the activity of God in our world, and that's what Abraham did. He said there won't be any fear of God in this place, and he encounters Abimelech who had more fear of God than he did. And so here's what compromise will cause you to do. You'll underestimate God's activity. There's, oh, God's forgotten me. Everybody's doing this. There's no way out of this trouble except for me to compromise. Do you see what will happen? Satan messes with your thinking there. I said to myself, there's no fear in the God in this place and they'll kill me. Besides, verse 12, here's the other thing we do is make excuses. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. So now we learn that this had been a habit of Abraham when he got in trouble. This had been a strategy that he depended upon. This had become a pattern of sin in his life. Here's the deal. Sin is addictive. And it crops up again and again in your life when you let it get a foothold. And so it's far better not to start on a habit of lying or pornography or cheating or stealing or whatever it may be because it, it becomes an ingrained pattern. That's what's happened in Abraham's life. This lying has become a pattern for him. And here he confesses everywhere I go, I've... I've fallen into this same pattern. Don't ever think that you have outgrown your sin. Don't think that you have graduated beyond those things that have tormented you in the past. Because here's the thing that we learn. God often repeats exams to see if we have grown. God, what's he doing in chapter 20? He's repeating the exam to see if Abraham has grown. And so God's going to do that in your life as well. Those things are still going to come up again because God's going to repeat that to see where you are. And Abraham repeats that sin. What, what a warning to us about how sin gets entrenched in your life. So you got to always be vigilant that you don't go back to those patterns that have worked for you in weakness and that you move beyond that. But the last few verses, I know folks doing the slides, I've shared this a little out of order, but those last few verses here, verse 14, them Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham and he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, my land is before you, live wherever you like. Because again, God blesses Abraham, not because he deserved it. He doesn't bless you because you deserve it. He blessed Abraham because he's promised to do that. And in spite of his failure, what a long-suffering God. Aren't you glad there's a God like this? Abraham has repeated the same mistake again, and you would expect God would say, I am done with you now. Can you not learn anything? And aren't you glad God doesn't do that? Aren't you glad God said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to protect you. 
and I'm going to bless the world through you. And he's carrying out his plan that will culminate in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Savior. And nothing's going to jeopardize that plan, even the failure of people like you and me. What a, what a God! What a God that we serve! So, God acts. He allows trouble in your life. There's a spiritual component to whatever you're going through right now. You may not have seen that. Would you sort of focus on that? Physically, you're having some problems. At work, you're having some problems. You're having some problems financially, relationally, family problems. Would you just see for a moment, when there's famine in the promised land, it's because God has allowed that to test and strengthen you. And now the question comes, how are you going to respond? It's test if you'll be faithful. That's what he's asking of you. And he's going to repeat those exams sometimes. You be ever vigilant in your life. But see, above all, we have a God who loves sinners and forgives sinners. And when he ought to kick us to the curb, he says, I'll be faithful even when you're faithless. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh God, we bring our troubles to you right now and we want to look at them as you would see them and Maybe there's somebody here having some trouble that has not contemplated the spiritual component of that. And Lord, wherever we are, whatever's going on, I know there's temptation to compromise in our lives. So Lord, I pray you'd strengthen our weak knees and that you'd help us to be strong, help us to learn from the example of Abraham, and help us, Lord, to put our faith in you and not respond in fear to the situations that we face. God, we just want to worship you for a moment today. You are so good to us. You're so long-suffering and patient, far beyond what we deserve. And we give you all praise, and we can recommit our lives to you because of that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Today, God would enter into a covenant relationship with you. If you'll put your faith in his son, Jesus Christ, you can have the gift of eternal life, abundant life. He'll be your guide and your strength and your shield. We're going to stand in a moment and sing a song of invitation. During this time, you can walk forward while we're singing. Maybe you want to pray about some troubles in your life. You want somebody to pray with you, come to me and I'll get somebody to pray with you. Or you're welcome to just come here and pray on your own. Maybe today you just need to pray for strength in the troubles that you're going through. Or maybe today you want to join our church or commit your life to Jesus or make some other decision. You can do that at the Welcome Center after our service. That option's still open. You can fill out a card and make an appointment this week and do it that way. You can also just come right now. Let's stand together and sing.
praise. Come on. Yes, I will. Amen. You can be seated. Good words this morning on how uh, God is faithful and that we need to be faithful for Him and, and all these trials that we face. I know it's hard sometimes to, to find that in ourselves when we lean on God's strength to give us uh, the, the purpose and, and, and conviction to, to follow His lead. So uh, a couple of things I want to let you know about before we leave. Wednesday nights, uh, we started back last Wednesday night, had a great crowd, uh, the best since I've been here. Uh, it was very exciting. Uh, to see so many folks here and engage in what was going on. We've got uh, dinner, prayer meeting, choir. We've got CDP classes. we got things for uh, children and youth, so students. And so uh, there's something for everyone here. A couple other things you can read about, some trainings and uh, meetings happening, uh, and kids' choirs starting back up. And uh, you have anything? You, you, you look eager to say something, Todd. I do? Yes. Uh, you always no, do that. No, I just was, I was you, just enthralled. And, okay. and you're yeah. just, oh, you I, just inspire me. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. That's all, that's all uh, I got to say about that. I, I will say something on your behalf. You will. So, um, there are uh, folks that help make worship happen each week. Yes. And there's four and sometimes five needed each service oh, yes. to run sound, do the words, do the lights. Uh, help get the audio that we're doing in here online so that sounds good. So if you have any interest in helping that, we can train you. We can help get you up to speed on what needs to happen, but we need some help. We're, we're shorthanded. Some folks are having to do multiple things at the same time, and it's, it's kind of challenging. So if you have any interest in that, you can talk to Todd, you can talk to Cassandra. And yeah, I just found out this morning that Grant was running from the sound booth down to my office to mix for the stuff going on in, online. And they're running back up here to mix in here. So, uh, yeah, we could use a little help. So thank you, Grant. Yeah. yeah. You're the man. And thanks to all those other folks up there. We have a lot of great folks. If you want to do that, uh, we sure could use you. Even if you could do it for one service, uh, it'll just help just to, to take that off of there. So thank you. There was something I was going to say, and I can't remember what it was. Next service. Next service, yes. Yeah, we'll do it. You're right. a fine man. You're, you're a wonderful guy. Right <laughs> thank you for thinking of me like that. All right. Hey, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. God, again, we thank you for who you are and we thank you for the, the way that you uh, show us through your word um, how you are in, want to interact and be involved in our lives, God. Help us to respond in faithfulness uh, when we experience trials, God. Uh, help us to just live in the fact that you love us and that you want the best for us. God, help us to just see you in everything we do, see you at work and join you there, God. Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.